to the book of Philippians tonight. Philippians chapter number 1. And let me encourage our teenagers. Teenagers, make sure you grab your books before you leave tonight. I know after our book time, books kind of got left in different spots in different places. Make sure before you leave tonight that your book is in your hand. That way you have it ready for next time. February the um, 25th, I believe. It'll be the fourth Sunday in February. Philippians chapter number 1. We're going to begin reading in verse number 3. But before we do, I want to read uh, what one commentator stated. Really, it was in his introduction to the book of Philippians. He was speaking about the Apostle Paul and the conditions under which he was writing this epistle. And so I just want to read this. It's paragraph. He said, as we read the exultant standing, excuse me, stanzas of the epistle to the Philippians, we might think that Paul was in a palace, not in a prison. He mentioned his chains again and again, but we do not hear them clanging dismally. We hear them chiming like Christmas bells. The apostle had converted his chains just as he had converted some of his guards. His chains had been transformed into the bonds of Christ and were therefore tokens of that good and acceptable and perfect will of God which had long been his delight. And I I, I want to take that tonight and that's going to be our title, Clanging or Chiming. Clanging or chiming. Every single one of us tonight may go through times of suffering. We may go through hard times. We may be in bonds. The Apostle Paul was in chains. But when those occasions happen, instead of clanging those chains and letting everybody know how miserable we are, how about we take those and let them chime, as the commentator says, As Christmas bells. Let's read verses 3 through 8 tonight. Philippians chapter number 1. When Paul writes to the church at Philippi, as we've already mentioned, he is a prisoner awaiting trial in Rome. Paul's epistle deals with many subject matters, and we'll look at those as we go through the book of Philippians. Deals with many subject matters. However, it is written with one disposition. Joy. Joy. Verse number 3, the Apostle Paul, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. How was Paul chiming when others would have been clanging? How was Paul praising when others would have been pouting? How was Paul worshiping when others would have been whining? How was Paul rejoicing 
when others would have been retreating. And so tonight I want to look in these six verses, verses 3 through 8 tonight, and I want to give you three reasons, three possibilities of why the Apostle Paul, even in bonds, even in chains, he's not whining, he's worshiping, he's not pouting, he's praising, he's not retreating, he's rejoicing, and he's not clanging, he's chiming. So I want us to see that tonight. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help tonight. And ask the Lord to help us to be a rejoicing, joyful people, even in the midst of suffering and sorrow and maybe even sometimes situations that we don't think are fair. By the way, that's not the right word, is it? Fair is not the right word, is it? What's the right word? Just. The right word is just. But we use the word fair and we don't think things are fair sometimes. Even when we don't think things are fair, we ought to be praising, we ought to be rejoicing in what God has done and what He is doing and very simply for who He is. Father, help us tonight, remind us, teach us, challenge us tonight. I don't have any doubt there are folks in this room tonight who are going through hard times and heartaches and sorrows and in, in the depths of their being. The emotions are there. The sadness is there. For whatever reason. Lord, I pray that even in the midst of those times and those circumstances, Father, that we do not allow the circumstances to rule who we are. Because circumstances are just that. We don't fix our attention upon the circumstances. We fix our attention upon You. And so, Lord, I pray that You'd simply remind us of that one more time tonight. And I pray that You'd challenge us to go out this week and to be a people who rejoice. And, Father, to be reminded and to be challenged about the things that we can place into action that can help us to be a joyful people. So, Lord, I pray that we would see that tonight. Help us, Lord. We, we pray this believing that you're going to teach us, that you're going to help us in these next few moments. We don't want to waste time. We want to be a help. And so, Father, please help us to do so. Help us to be attentive. Father, we commit these moments to you. We believe that you're going to work in our hearts. And we pray because we believe that you're going to work in our hearts tonight. And you're going to do a work in our midst tonight. I do pray, Lord. I know this is Sunday night, but, Lord... If there would be someone here tonight who's never come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight would be that night. I pray that tonight would be the night when they call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and once and for all settle their eternity. So, Lord, we pray for that as well tonight. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen tonight. So how was Paul chiming Instead of clanging, how was he praising instead of pouting? How was he rejoicing instead of retreating? How was he worshiping instead of whining? I want to give you three reasons, three possibilities that could have helped the Apostle Paul that could have gone into his disposition of joy. Let me give you one more time before we get into the outline and into the message tonight. Let me give you the definition of joy. A state of peace, hope, strength, gladness, and contentment brought about by trust in God's promises, obedience to God's precepts, and delight in God's presence. A state of peace, hope, strength, 
gladness and contentment brought about, not by the circumstances, but brought about by trust in God's promises in spite of the circumstances, obedience to God's precepts in spite of the circumstances, and delight in God's presence in spite of the circumstances. Number one tonight, how was Paul a chimer instead of a clanger? Let me, let me give us three things tonight. Number one, because he remembered the blessings. Because he remembered the blessings. If you'll remember back around Thanksgiving, we preached several messages entitled, A Thankful Man is a Thankful Man. A thankful man is a thankful man. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul says in verse number 3. Uh, look there, if you would, with me again. He said, I thank my God. He's a thankful man because he's a thankful man. He's a thankful man because he's remembering. And by the way, who's he remembering? He's remembering them. He's remembering the people in the church at Philippi. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you every time I stop and every by the way we'll get to this in just a moment but he said every time I pray every time I pray I'm thinking of you every time I pray and I, I, I bow my head and I bow my heart and I bend my knee every time I pray for you I'm, I'm thinking of you and I'm thinking of the blessings I'm thinking of who you are and what you did for me when I was there at Philippi he remembered the blessings the blessings of these saints, this church at Philippi, these individuals in the church at Philippi. By the way, remembering those who have blessed our lives and who make it richer and more enjoyable is an effective way in which to minimize a critical and complaining spirit. Remembering those who have blessed our lives and who make it richer. I'm talking spiritually who have blessed our lives and who make it richer and more enjoyable is an effective way in which to minimize a critical and complaining spirit. Because let me ask you, could the Apostle Paul, could he have had a complaining and critical spirit? Sure he could have. Don't, don't forget, the Apostle Paul is flesh and blood just like we are. The Apostle Paul hurt just like we do sometimes. The Apostle Paul probably had individuals who slandered him. And by the way, not, not maybe. We know he did. He had individuals who slandered him and, and no doubt who hurt him and, and friends who wounded him deeply. But his eyes were not fixed upon the circumstances. The Bible says here that he could rejoice, that he could worship, that he could praise instead of pout because he remembered the blessings. What did he remember? Two things quickly. He remembered the blessing of their fellowship. He remembered the blessing of their fellowship. If you'll remember when we were in Acts chapter number 62, Acts chapter number 16, Acts chapter 62, there's not 62 chapters in Acts. Acts 16, we were looking at the church. I've been with teenagers all afternoon. Acts 16, Lydia gets saved. And then what does she do? She invites Paul to do what? To stay in her home. To stay in her home. The Philippian jailer, he gets saved. His household gets saved. He invites Paul to the house. They clean him up. They... they, they 
clean up and wipe off the blood because he's been beaten. And they clean him up. No doubt they dress the wounds. And they bring him into their home. Number one tonight, he rejoiced. He chimed instead of claimed because first of all, he remembered the blessings. And the blessings that came from these Christians there in Philippi, he remembered the blessing of their fellowship. Secondly, he remembered the blessing. By the way, let me just read the verse if I could. Verse number five. He says in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And then in verse 5, he, he speaks about what he's thankful for. He says what, what he's remembering for your fellowship in the gospel. Notice this. From the first day. Hey, from the first day I came into Philippi, when I went down by the water's brink and the water's edge, and, and, and there was Lydia and these other ladies who, who they, they feared God and they were searching and they were seeking. He said from the first day. The fellowship. Listen, I'm going to tell you what, ladies, my wife enjoyed yesterday. Listen, it is good for God's people to fellowship together. And by the way, I love the fact that y'all finished the day in prayer. But we need to pray together, don't we? Nothing wrong. It would have been fine if you didn't finish the day in prayer. But boy, how sweet is that to come together as ladies and pray. I know we do that on Wednesday night and I know we do that on Sunday morning. By the way, Sunday morning, 9.20, you can come to the choir room and pray. Ladies, you can come to the home builders class, men, and pray. I know we do that, but but what a sweet time of fellowship yesterday. And when Paul remembered the blessing of the fellowship, it helped him... I I was going to use the word forget, but... The pain of being in bonds would have been there. You're not going to forget that. But it helped him to fix his attention upon other things than the circumstances in which he was going through. Number one tonight, he remembered the blessings, the blessing of their fellowship. But secondly, the blessing of their faithfulness. The blessing of their faithfulness. Again, right there in verse number five, look what it says. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day. What's the last two words? Until now. From the first day when you got saved, from the first day that I met Lydia, from the first day when I met the possessed damsel, from the first day when I met the Philippian jailer, until now. By the way, what was the significance of the until now? What had the Philippian church done for him? What did they do for him? They sent to him. Look at chapter 4. Look at Philippians chapter number 4. He remembered the blessing of their fellowship, but he remembered the blessing of their faithfulness. Look, faithful brethren strengthen our hands in the Lord. That's what faithful brethren do. He says, until, excuse me, from the first day until now, Paul remembered the blessing of their faithfulness. Look at chapter number 4. Let's begin reading in verse number 15. He says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. But I just, I I can't pass that. You got charlatans, charlatans today who say, hey, if I've helped you, send me some money. 
send a seed gift. The Apostle Paul said, he said, I didn't desire that. The Apostle Paul wasn't out looking for seed gifts. The Apostle Paul wasn't out asking for people to send him offerings. No, no, no. <laughs> I was listening to a preacher this week. <laughs> and he said he knew, he knew another pastor, Baptist pastor, a friend of his, who when he would go speak at a special meeting, that he would get in the pulpit before he preached or while he was preaching. And he would say, God, God worked in my heart today and he told me that somebody in this meeting was going to give me $5,000. This guy said, so I went and asked him. I said, did God really tell you that? He said, no, but I've gotten $5,000 a whole lot of times. That wasn't the Apostle Paul. He said, look, I, I didn't desire a gift. He said, I simply desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice. What's the word there? Has some salt sprinkled on it, didn't it? If it was acceptable, it did. I'm not talking about literally. You know what I mean. It was acceptable. A sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Then look what he says, but my God, because of what you've done, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul remembered the blessing of their fellowship. Paul remembered the blessing of their faithfulness. I've said it many, many times. I've said it scores of times. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. Listen, most pastors, the thing that, that encourages and strengthens them the most Now, I'm not against this, but it's not a card laying on their desk with $500 in it. Even though that's sweet sometimes. No, no, no. You know what encourages most pastors? Faithfulness. It's the faithfulness of God's people. It's the faithfulness. And the Apostle Paul in a prison writing an epistle to this church and the individuals that he won to the Lord, that he led to the Lord. He's in bonds and he's in chains, but he's not complaining about that. He's not fixating upon that. No, no, no. He's fixating upon the goodness of God and he's fixating upon joy. He says in verse number four, he says, I request with joy. He's fixated upon rejoicing. Why? Because he remembered the blessings. The blessing from the brethren. I thank my God Upon every remembrance of you, let me give you number two, because he remembered the blessings, but number two, because he requested for the brethren. Verse number four. You know one thing, one activity that will get our minds off of our own problems is praying for somebody else's problems. And in verse number four, in verse one, he's already said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, but verse four, he says always. It's pretty clear, isn't it? No ambiguity there, always. In every prayer of mine for you, excuse me, for you all, making a request with joy. So number one, what, what helped him to, 
fix his mind upon the goodness of God and upon joy and rejoicing instead of upon whining or maybe pouting. What, what did that? When he remembered the blessings. Number two, when he requested for the brethren. When he requested for the brethren. Paul's requests, first of all, were personal. They were personal. Look what he says again there in verse number four. He says, always in every prayer of mine with the next two words. For you... The Apostle Paul is remembering those new believers there in Philippi. I don't know if the Apostle Paul had a prayer list like some of us have, which is a good thing. I don't know if the Apostle Paul just, just had a wonderful memory. And from memory, he's praying for these individuals. But he says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. Paul's requests were personal. Let me ask you, what do you think he prayed for? for these people at Philippi. What do you think he prayed for? Okay, that they would remain faithful, no doubt. Spiritual growth, no doubt. He tells us that. There you go. Can I tell you something else that he prayed for that's not in the next three verses? Would you look at chapter 4? I no doubt believe he prayed for their safety. What happened when the possessed damsel, the demon is cast out? What happened? An uproar? No doubt he knows the persecution. No doubt he prayed for their safety. But look in in chapter number 4. I believe he prayed for their unity. Look in chapter 4. Because there was a little conflict. In verse number 2. Two ladies having a problem in the church. By the way, for all those people that say you should never call names, you need to talk to the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul called names of people who their names are etched in the Word of God for everyone all the way down through the annals of history to see. In verse number 2, he says, I beseech Euodius and beseech Sintuhe that they be of the same mind in the Lord. They're having problems. We don't know what the problem is. But he says, I want them to be of the same mind. There's an issue with these two ladies. No doubt he's praying for the unity of that church. As how wonderful this church is. There's still an issue going on. No doubt he's praying. And I know this. Look at chapter number 1 as well. He's praying for the gospel to increase. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27. He says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for what? For the faith of the gospel. Chapter number 2, we could speak of the unity once again. He says, Fulfill ye my joy, in verse 2, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. His requests were personal. 
He said, for you. He said, for you. But secondly, his requests were persistent. And we'll get to those next verses here in just a moment. His requests were persistent. How do I know that? How do we know that? Always. Would you drop back with me for uh, just a little bit in the New Testament? Would you go back to Romans chapter 1? Paul's requests were personal. They were persistent. And I'll go ahead and give you the third one. They were pleasurable. He said, because I request with what? Joy. He says, my requests are made with joy. This is not a drudgery. I I don't do it like it's a a duty. It's a joy. And I come and I pray and I request is the word he uses in Philippians. I pray for you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. And by the way, we, we've, we've mentioned this before. Paul's requests primarily were spiritual requests. What do we primarily pray for? The physical. Yeah, wants. The physical. I'm not saying that's wrong or bad. We ought to pray for physical. But Paul's requests were primarily spiritual. Let me ask us tonight. You got anybody on your prayer list that you're praying for to be saved? That you're praying for for them to grow? Or maybe that you're praying for for them to come back into sweet fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Those prayer requests ought to be preeminent on our lips. Physical requests? Sure. God doesn't tell us we can't pray for that. But what people need are... are Spiritual strength. Spiritual growth. Look at Romans chapter number 1, verse number 9. We're just going to walk through this real quickly. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you... What's the word there? Always in my prayers. Alright, let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Just an exercise. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 4. He says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your what? Behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Go a little bit further. The book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What's the very first word of verse 16? Or first two words? Cease not. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. You have to go past Philippians this time. Colossians 1. Colossians 1 and verse number 3. He says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. 1 Timothy. This will be our last, excuse me, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1. His requests were personal. His requests were persistent.
This is how we ought to pray for each other. He says in 2 Timothy 1, verse number 3, he says, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Now who's he speaking to here? Speaking to his young son in the faith, Timothy. I thank my God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee, Timothy, in my prayers night and day. By the way, he says in verse 4, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. Number one, he remembered the blessings. Number two, he requested for the brethren. Then number three, he rejoiced. He rejoiced in his bonds. Look back at Philippians 1 and let's look at verse number 6. He says, Always in every prayer of mine for you making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. He said, I, I thank God upon every remembrance for your fellowship. And then in verse number 6, he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I believe that's a reference to the rapture. You may disagree with me on that, but I believe that's a reference uh, to the day when the Lord Jesus Christ has come back. There's the day of the Lord. Uh, there, there's several times in the Scriptures when it speaks of the day. But the day of Jesus Christ, I believe, is a reference to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, Notice this, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. He not only remembered the blessings, He not only requested for the brethren, but He rejoiced in the bonds. Why? How? Two things. First of all, he rejoiced because of his confidence. Pastor, how could he rejoice in his bonds? And, and we're really doing a little double speak there because that's really the title of the message. And why is he rejoicing? And okay, he's rejoicing in his bonds. You've said that. He's rejoicing in his bonds. Why? Because he has confidence in God. He has confidence, two things. He has confidence that God will perform. That God will complete what He has begun. That God will perform, that He has the power to perform. He has confidence in that. And He also has confidence that the brethren will partake with Him. He has confidence that God will perform. He says, look, and by the way, that word confidence, it means that Paul had persuaded himself. He had persuaded himself that he had confidence in God. He was persuaded by who God was, who He is, what He had done. He had confidence in God. Being confident of this very thing. Here's what he's confident of. That He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. He'll bring it to fruition. He'll bring it to completion. 
Look, your, your, your salvation is not going to be jerked away from you. Your salvation cannot be taken away from you. By the way, not only your salvation, but, but your life in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to perform it. He's going to complete. He's going to bring it to fruition. And the Apostle Paul had confidence that God would perform and that the brethren would partake. Partake of what? Of the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Look what he says in verse 7. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. He had confidence that the church at Philippi, that the believer, that they were going to partake in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. That word defense there, it's the word apologia. It's where we get our apologetics. Now I'm going to tell you what, when I was a Bible college student, and I, I still struggle with that word. People talked about apologetics. I, never, I, I had never heard that word. I grew up in church all my life. I had never heard that word. And I heard someone at Bible college use that word apologetics. And I thought in my heart, I didn't say anything to him, but I thought in my heart, I'm not apologizing for anything. Apologetics? You want me to apologize for something? You know, I'm from Tennessee. Paige said that she, she was talking to a young man this week and he found out that she was from Tennessee and he said, you speak really well <laughs> to be from Tennessee. And I said, you need to tell him we also wear shoes and we also have indoor plumbing. Who does he think he is? By the way, you know where he was from? I'll give you one guess. One state. Huh? Michigan. I say, yeah, you tell him we wear shoes, we have indoor plumbing, we go to school. But I thought, apologetics? But that's what the word defense, it's apologia. That I can give defense. That I know what I believe, believe and I can defend the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, he uses the word confirmation. That word is used, to, hold your place. And go over to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 6. That word confirmation means a guarantee. Look at Hebrews chapter number 6. We'll begin reading in verse number 13. We looked at this passage recently in our study in Hebrews. Hebrews 6 verse number 13. The Bible says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. An oath for confirmation to guarantee it is an end of it. It settles it. We're done. If you've made an oath to guarantee it, we're done. I'm good. I'll take your word. 
But he says in verse number 17, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed... He didn't have to, did He? He had already promised. But the Bible says He's showing them His immutability. That He confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie... We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. What did Paul say in Philippians 1? He said, Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers my grace how could the apostle Paul rejoice in bonds because he had confidence he had confidence that God would perform and he had confidence that the brethren would partake of the defense and the confirmation of the gospel listen the apostle Paul lived to speak and to confirm and defend the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that's why he lived that's why he lived. Paul rejoiced because of his confidence, but secondly, he rejoiced very simply because of Christ. Because of Christ. Everything he did, every, all who he was, was wrapped up in Christ. Verse number 8, he says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of what? Jesus Christ, I've said it before, it's amazing to me that we're here tonight, a group of people that without Christ, most of us would have never known each other. I wouldn't have known you. Without the Lord Jesus Christ and without the bond that we have through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're brothers and sisters in Christ through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, we know each other. Otherwise, I would have never known any of y'all. You would have never known me, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. We wouldn't have known each other. And Paul, look, everything about Paul was wrapped up in Jesus Christ and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, my bowels yearn for me. We know that bowels, it's the innermost part. It's, It's the greatest, the deepest of affections. And he says, my bowels yearn for you because we have a bond. Hey, I'm in bonds, physically, literally speaking, but we have a bond that no one can break. And it's the bond that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, he could rejoice in his bonds because of the confidence that he had. Because of the confidence that he had in God and the confidence that he had, these new believers are going to make it. They're going to make it. Even though I'm here in these bonds and I may never see them again, they're going to make it because of Christ. You have suffering tonight. You have sorrow tonight. You have circumstances tonight that maybe nobody in this room knows about. You and God know. But nobody else knows. Are your eyes fixed upon the circumstance or are your eyes fixed 
upon God. Are your eyes fixed upon the circumstance? Or are your eyes fixed, or we could even say he uses the word heart there in verse, I believe it's in verse 7. Verse number 7, he says, I have you in my heart. Or is your heart fixed upon your brothers and sisters in Christ and you're constantly praying for them, you're constantly lifting them to the throne of grace and it helps you to fix your attention on that which is important instead of fixing your attention upon self. Chiming or clanging? How could Paul chime instead of clang? How could he praise instead of pout? How could he worship instead of whine? How could he do that? Because he remembered the blessings. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, he says. Church at Philippi. Because he remembered the blessings, because he requested for the brethren. He says in verse number 4, Always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. He requested. By the way, we didn't even get to what Miss Susan was talking about. We'll get to that next week in verse number 9. So in this I pray, and it tells us exactly what you pray for, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgments, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. We'll get that next week. He prays specifically. When he requested for the brethren, he was personal in his prayers. He was persistent. And because of that, he took pleasure in it with joy. He rejoiced in his bonds because he had confidence that God would perform and that the brethren would partake. By the way, would you look at verse number 14? And we're done. We're, we're done tonight. Look at verse number 14. Actually, let, let's back up to verse 13 as well. He says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Notice this. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You know what happens when we can rejoice in our bonds and when we can rejoice in our suffering? You know what it does? It helps other people to be bolder. It helps other people to say, look, if he can do it, if he can rejoice in the midst of his bonds, then you know what? I can go out and tell someone about Christ, even if it means I may be thrown in jail. It would have been no different for these individuals. If they had gone out and given the gospel, they had the, 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 the thought or the possibility that they would have been thrown in prison. And he said, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Are there people you don't ask how they're doing because you don't want to hear the answer? I don't want to be one of those people. That people don't want to ask me how I'm doing. Because I don't want to be a clanger you know, you know what I'm saying? And you ask somebody how they're doing and boy, it just... Poof. Now let me say this, if I ask someone how they're doing, I ought to be genuine and want to know how they're doing. But you understand what I'm saying tonight. 
We need to rejoice. We need to praise instead of pout. You know, here's the truth. Some, sometimes we're supposed to bear each other's burdens. But you know, sometimes we don't, we don't have to spill everything out. We don't have to spill everything out. We, we, we can, we, we ought to, if we're going to spill anything out, it ought to be like the Apostle Paul, where we're spilling out rejoicings and joy. Well, you know, there's some things that aren't going really well, but you know what? The Lord's been really good. And we can encourage someone else to be confident when they go through a struggle. Chiming or clanging? What are we doing tonight? I pray that we're doing the first. Father, thank You for Your Word tonight. Thank You for the truth of it. Father, thank You for the example of the Apostle Paul. Lord, help us to be like so. Father, to rejoice in the midst of suffering because... Peace and joy are not found in the absence of trouble. They're found in your presence. Father, may we remember that tonight. Father, may we leave here tonight remembering the blessing of people that we get to fellowship with and people that are faithful to you. Boy, that just brings joy to our hearts. Just brings good memories and it helps us to rejoice. Help us to leave here tonight with maybe a greater commitment to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, always for you, with joy. And Father, help us to leave here tonight just rejoicing in whatever bonds. They're not physical bonds like Paul, but whatever bonds we may be going through tonight, maybe maybe a health situation, maybe financial. Whatever the bonds may be tonight, may we place them in your hand understanding that you're going to perform, you're going to complete, you're going to bring things to fruition. And Father, help us just to trust you and have confidence, be persuaded. And then Father, help us to be encouraged because we have other brothers and sisters who partake in the defense and confirmation of the gospel as well. We strive together for the faith of the gospel. Father, we praise you for that tonight. Help us. Father, I don't know harsh tonight. If someone needs to do some business with you tonight, may we do so. If your Holy Spirit is, is touched in a specific area, Father, may we get it right tonight before we leave. And Father, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss, jo- or Miss Pam's at the piano. And she's going to play. If you need to come and just pray and spend some time with the Lord. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, I, I'd surely invite you to come. Say, Pastor, I don't, I don't know the Lord tonight. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Believers, are you chiming or clanging? Are you praising or pouting? Are you worshiping or whining? Are you rejoicing or retreating? I think we all know what we ought to be doing. May we do it tonight. We praying for each other? I think we are. Maybe the Lord will just touch your hearts tonight and say, hey, need to be a little more persistent in those prayers in your, for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Need to be a little more personal. 
Don't just ask for God to bless, but pray specifically. We'll see more of those specifics next week, beginning in verse 9. Maybe tonight, if, if the Lord has brought a blessing to your mind, He's allowed you to remember it. He's allowed you to be thankful tonight. And that thankfulness has turned to thankfulness. Maybe this week you might even write a little note to that individual that the Lord has brought to mind tonight of the blessing that that individual, your brother and sister in Christ, has brought to your life. That would be an encouragement to them as well. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let's pray we'll be dismissed tonight. Uh, teachers, we'll meet right here. This little section right here. I don't know if I have enough room over there, so we'll just meet right here. Let's pray be dismissed. See you Wednesday night, 6.30, Master Club, 7 o'clock in here for the service. Brother Jeff Snow, would you pray for us tonight, please, sir?